Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. We are back and at it with Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1, Winterfell. And now we waited so goddamn long. Did it live up to the hype to you? We'll be much older then. Yes, it did. Yeah, uh, you know what? If uh, just, just for the, can I ride your dragon? I want to ride your dragon. That part was great for me. Everything else, pretty great. Had some little weird moments, and we'll talk about that here a little bit later. But uh, first, let's do a brief synopsis of what happened in this episode. Let's do it. Okay, so in this episode, we have John, Danny, Arya, Bran, the Hound, Sam. You know what? Honestly, who isn't here in Winterfell preparing for the battle with the White Walkers? We got a little bit of dragon riding. We have a little bit of a reunion. Cough, cough. A little bit awkward between Sam and Danny. And then we also have a reunion between uh, Jamie and Bran at the end. Cersei gets a ride on the good ship Euron down in King's Landing, and Theon gets back Yara. And Bronn is actually given a big chunk of gold to assassinate some two of the Lannister brothers. We also get to find out that Jon is really Aegon Targaryen. Bum, bum, bum. Let's unpack that. Okay, so there's a lot going on this episode, but let's just talk about our overall impressions to begin with. So you said you loved it. I loved it. I got to say, though, there's some things in here. And I'm kind of a little bit like, why did they do it this way? And why was this choice made? Um, do you have anything that you feel like about like that is kind of the same thing? Anel? I'm sorry. This was just so soon after the episode. All I'm thinking about is Bran. Like, yeah. Do those dead eyes, dead robot eyes. I'm living for the Bran memes right now. Oh, my God, I love it. Um, yeah. You know, he was definitely one of the most awkward reunionees for any of these. But um, just we have a lot of examples of this like. And I think maybe the other thing, too, is it's the creators reminding us, oh, hey, there's all these people and they have not actually seen each other. We're all familiar with their stories. And so we're like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, Sam, she she burned your dad and your brother alive. Eh. But the characters don't know that. And so that's why we're getting a little bit of a reminder into, oh, yeah, this is why this is awkward. Totally. We're privy to a lot of information that the characters aren't. So I think a lot of people probably went into this thinking the reunions would go a little bit differently. Yeah. I had a feeling though the Sansa and Danny was gonna go down. Oh yeah. I mean we we knew this was not gonna be great. And um, you know, there's a lot of other things that I think were just a little bit weird in it. Uh some weird music choices in parts of it. Um kinda took me out of it a little bit. As much as I love that dragon ride, I kinda think the music was a little totally not to the right score or something. Um not horrible. It just didn't seem to fit. There were other things though that were great. So um let's uh let's go into a little bit detailed. So we open up and we basically have this really great kind of mirror to season one, episode one, where we have this little kid and he's like climbing up and he's like, Oh, look at the army marching in. And this is kind of a direct correlation between what Arya was doing when um we had King Robert coming in with Cersei in the first pilot episode. Totally. It, it kind of shows you how much the Arya has grown if you hadn't noticed it in the last seven seasons. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But she kind of, you know, gets out of the way so that she can appreciate this kid's curiosity and amazement and wonder at the the new king and queen in town, so mm -hmm. to speak. It's definitely a different perspective, though, because you have this juxtaposition of this kid and this childlike innocence. And when we watched it through Arya's point of view, you know, King, and King Robert was just a little bit different. But, oh, my God, look at this army. You know, they're coming to our podunk little town. Like, I, we, we've never seen the king. And we hear all these stories. And it's just amazing. And 
it's kind of the same thing, but then you realize also like the, the sad truth of it is, is, oh, well, this kid's so probably excited. The fact of it is everyone's probably going to die. And there's a lot of armies that are basically a foreign invasion party that are coming in that we see everyone in Winterfell's like, oh, I'm not happy about this. Oh, totally. And I think you can relate as much as I can about the people who are watching this. These northerners are not used to seeing visitors. No. And so you and I coming from small towns, it's like anybody that you see that's not from there instantly sticks out. Mm-hmm. So oh, you yeah. have Grey Worm and Masande. I mean, nobody looks like them there, if you know what I'm saying. Black people. <laughs> Seriously, though. Um, and then here's here comes Danny and these dragons. And they're already, you know, kind of suspicious against outsiders. And here's John coming in. He's bent the knee. Oh, by the way, you guys have a new queen. And here's our big old procession coming through. So not everybody's welcoming, no. but they're 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 just trying to figure out what's going on a lot of them. Yeah, I got to say the if they weren't having issues before, maybe the crazy dragons flying overhead in that manner might have set them off anyway. So that was just like the cherry on top of like, oh, yeah, this bitch is just invading us. I think the second thing that I really stands out to me about this is the way that John kind of is like needs to pull his head off his ass. He's being a little bit like a Ned Stark. Like, uh, yes, we know you really just care about everyone living. But at the same time, like, that's not going to happen if you don't have everyone on your side. And constantly he's kind of like, oh, I don't give I battled the White Walkers. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, John, you there are other were people. elected king. Like, yes, you can do that. But you need to be a little bit more PC about it. There are other people to consider besides just you, John. And it just goes to show there's like one more instance of him not taking into consideration everybody that's involved in this. Yes, he is by saying, oh, yeah, there's this big battle that's coming, you know, from the north. These White Walkers, he, that's, he's always saying, you know, you guys haven't considered what's, what I've seen. You yeah. haven't seen what I've seen. Yeah. But after that, there's still other things to consider. Yeah, totally. You know, um, so that kind of leads us into our introduction with Sansa and Danny and Man, it's pretty cold, but you know what? And I want to see where you're landing on this, but I'm a Sansa. Like, you know, who the fuck are you? And also, like, um, you want to help us out, but yet you're making someone bend. The- I I just don't understand why Danny needed him to bend the knee in the first place. Because she's Danny. Like, that could have waited. <clears throat> Danny, seven titles. This person, this person. I did this. Yeah, she's she's kind of getting ahead of herself. Well, it not only screwed them over with Cersei, which we still haven't seen the full extent of this, but the army's not coming. Now it's screwing them over with his own people. Like, we have some talk of other of these bannermen not, they're like, fuck this. Like, I'm not, I'm not supporting this bitch queen. Like, it was all about the king of the north, and this is not the king of the north. So, it's already tension where there doesn't need to be tension. Well, she has a history of coming in, assuming that she knows what's best for people and then kind of making these decisions based on what she believes and Mm not uh, taking into consideration the culture or anything else. And I think Dan just jumped, Dan. Dan the man? What are the characters' names? John just jumps right in. Yeah, totally. I think they're in this little bit of this. Literally and figuratively. Oh, God. I think we're kind of in this honeymoon phase with them. Like, obviously, they've just had sex on the boat, I think, last season, right when we ended. So 
It's not like they've been like shaking nonstop, but they probably have because it's a long boat ride. But um, it is just a little bit too like they're like we're in love. Oh, nothing else matters. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone else is just like, what is going on? Like, pull your butt, your head out of your butt. Like, come on. Um, you know, speaking of people potentially, you know, going away and not not getting their shit together, we have Ned Umber. So this is a little kid. Um, and we see him out here at the very end, but in the beginning, we find out that he's the only Bannerman that hasn't got all his people to Winterfell because this is where everyone's going to be holed up. Like this is the safety reach of the North, and his people are just hanging out, waiting to get killed, and they do. So we have this council up front, and we we basically have you know Sansa is there with John. We also have Bran. We also have Tyrion, and. We're having this conversation with everybody, but yet again, we see like John just goes in there and is like, oh, yeah, counselors. Yeah, um, I haven't talked to them at all about anything I'm going to say. And, oh, you know, let's just argue back and forth in front of the people that should inspire confidence. Right. Like, n- no, um, things have changed so fast, too, that you notice that they don't even know what to call people anymore. Like no. uh, you left here as king. I guess you're lord now. And who are you? Oh, you're queen. Okay. Um, give me a minute to figure this out. Someone can, can someone scribe some notes for yeah. me? Also, there's fucking dragons. Are they going to eat me? My children? Oh, they did that at Marine. Oh, they were. Are they still doing that? Because you locked them up because that. But then we just let them out again. Oh, but they just eat what they want. Oh, okay, cool. And a lot of that scene that I love so much is not not what people said, but honey. Sansa Those was eyes, serving girl. that mm-hmm. shade. Yeah, let I love me it. tell you, it was like watching RuPaul drag show. Yeah, well, we are right now uh, about three hours after the premiere, and Twitter was just nonstop eyes, like snapshot of eyes between this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. This person. Like, loved it. Um, you know, I really don't. It's like Sansa is very concerned about all these things, and I get it. But at a certain point, too, could she be like a little bit less of a bitch? Um, you know, this is really interesting because I think our tables have turned here. Because suddenly, I am Team Sansa. This episode. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely Team Sansa. But I'm just saying, maybe give a little bit. No, no, I'm Sansa all the way, ride or die for this because. You don't leave. Don't consult me. Like I've got, I've been north, south, east, west. Maybe yeah. not east and west, but Sansa's been everywhere. She knows. Oh, how the she's game, been everywhere. She knows how the game is played. Ramsey wrote her up and down that Winterfell. She's learned from Cersei. She's learned from Ramsey. She's like a very, very, very underrated player in this game. Littlefinger. She knows how the game is played. So. And, and no one, literally no one is consulting her. So I, I well, understand. I think and I, she's got the best um, intentions. She's there trying to defend the North. She knows how much well, what I think it comes down to. Don't interrupt me when I'm talking oh, about Sansa. <laughs> seriously. I think the main thing with Sansa, though, is she just doesn't trust anybody. And so that makes her smart. But it also is like, this is a time where we need to band together. The whole thing is we need to band together. And she's kind of being a little bit of a seriously of like, well, how am I going to feed everybody? How am I going to do this? And it's like, Sansa, you're very like long-term minded and John is very short-term minded and you need someone that's like got a middle ground, you know? Yes. Grain storage and how we're going to feed all these people is definitely a big deal. But if we all die, it ain't going to matter anyways. Well, that's a good segue into what I thought was kind of the theme of this episode is what, how is loyalty 
earned or what inspires loyalty? Is it family? Is it acts of duty? Is it friendships? How is it inspired and how is it earned? Mm -hmm. And I think we talk about that a lot in this episode, all the way from, um, which we haven't got to right now, Arya and um, Gendry, and then Arya and John. Even on the boat, uh, when Euron and Yara are talking, she's like, why don't you just kill me? He goes, oh, we're family. Even though he probably could care less, but lots of different family references in this episode. We'll get into those and unpack those in a minute, too. Yeah, totally. I don't know if it's so much a theme for the episode, but what I've noticed with almost every character, because we do have a lot of reunions, is every relationship is basically getting redefined. And it's redefined because we have people meeting that have not met for a long time. We have some relationships that are just getting redefined because of new information. And like with John, like this next episode is going to be completely different because he's now Aegon Targaryen. So um, I thought that was definitely there. But yeah, I like your theme as well. I think it definitely fits. I think they both go together because as I said, I kind of took it as how is loyalty earned? And with these relationships being redefined the way they are, is it going to be that family still sticks together? And what uh, what is now going to be considered a family? The people that you grew up with, the people that you have thought were your family all this time, or people that were family and uh, are no longer family because of the choices that they've made? Yeah, definitely. You know, so speaking about family, that we have the scene with Arya and John, and he's basically like talking about Sansa and Arya's like, well, yeah, she's freaking out. And he's like, oh yeah, she's just being stupid. And she's like, well, actually she's like the smartest person I know. And kind of checks John like, yeah, we're friendly, but like you don't know what's been going on with us. And yeah, you're part of the family, but like you need to know what the family's gone through. Cause you kind of just went to the fucking wall and didn't give a shit. It's like a two sided story, you know, like everybody respected John because he stayed by his oath he was part of the Night's Watch. He's doing his honor. But at the end of the day, like, he didn't have to go through any of that. He didn't have to care because it was his vow. And I think it was a good reminder for John to talk to Arya because she kind of um, reestablishes that, hey, we're all in this together. We're in this to save the North and to save Winterfell because we're a family. And John can sometimes be a little too like Ned in the fact that he loses the purpose behind being honorable and loyal. And from last season, I think the last episode where Brienne is talking to Jamie as they're leaving from that meeting with Cersei and she says, fuck loyalty. Even she can get to a point where it's like, we need to prioritize what's yeah. important. And sometimes, Life and death. sometimes you have to put honor aside for the good of everyone. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I really get that. Um, you know, I have a question and this just popped out to me. You know, we have a lot of these houses that are either completely decimated or we have them where like the Lannisters, we have literally, you know, three people alive and it's not looking good for them. Do we have too many Starks alive right now? Oh, for sure. There's this meme that <laughs> it makes me think of where it has like a, a little grid that's like Starks over time and you see it go all the way to the bottom like a stock plummeting yeah totally it's time to get rid of some starks i just feel like it needs to happen sooner than later i don't want it to happen but you can really tell like when we're all in winterfell like it is really chunky getting to what all this exposition with all these different people um 
But, you know, regardless, what can you do? Um, now, one more thing before we leave Winterfell. Why is Arya so aloof? <clears throat> I mean, I think she's learned that just being a faceless man. You know, she's seen a lot and she is skeptical. And so she's just trying to observe more so. And how are we going to talk about Arya being aloof when there's Bran here? Elephant in the okay, room. Okay, Bran has a reason, though. He's like, <laughs> li he's almost lobotomized because he has so much information in his brain. And he's a robot. He was a robot last season. I just think it's ridiculous to me that she comes back and she's all happy-go-lucky with Sansa. And then we have Jon coming back and it's like, oh, hey, I know I haven't, I, I waited for an entire day to come and see you. Like, just seems a little awkward. Well, a girl is no one. I just think she's she's playing something. Who knows? Okay, um, so then we get to King's Landing, and we have a little bit of informational update from Kyburn to Cersei. He's basically saying, hey, the, the wall's fallen. Um, shit's going down. The undead armies are marching. And she's like, mm, good, love it. Amazing. Um, and we see in the background that we have Euron is coming back with the ships. Um, and he has the Golden Company um, on board. So we now have an army fighting for the Lannisters. An army minus those elephants. Yep. Man, Cersei is pissed about those elephants. Like, I mean, I am too, but damn, Cersei. Cersei's everyone. Do you think there was a contract that said elephants and they just didn't get them? or? Oh, for sure. She wanted her. I hope she gets a discount. Seriously. Groupon? <laughs> <laughs> That's Gold why Groupon. she's like, I sh knew I shouldn't have used that Groupon. Yeah. Well, it was from the Bank of Bravo, so I never trust them. Um, yeah, we had the, this is definitely interesting little peek into her life because um, she's kind of I mean, she's been Mad Queen for a while, but she's cast out everybody. And now she's attaching on to Euron. Did you get a little weirded out by this entire thing? Because, man, I don't get it. Well. For one, <clears throat> I think we always had the kind of, well, I did. I wasn't positive that this was Jamie's baby. So for one, we got the for sure nailed down idea that this is the first time that they had sex, her and Euron, mm -hmm. right? And uh, she doesn't have a baby daddy anymore. Jamie abandoned her. So yeah, I mean, she's definitely... she got to find somebody to father that kid. Hopefully Maury's not in a king's landing but. i just get a very manipulative vibe from her and i don't think that i think she realized like oh like i gotta put the pussy on the table in order to get this guy keep on going about this i don't feel like she was into it i don't feel like any of that conversation she was into i think she's just trying to get him in and out pun intended and then get him on his mosey way and yeah this is not love this is not her even having a little lancel moment like i just need to get my my o on then you can leave. Well, I think that kind of locks him in too because he's like, oh, I'm going to put a prince in you. Yeah. And he's a wild card. He's not someone that you can pin down or trust. He's just kind of someone that sh even she can't control. Yeah. I think it's season seven, the last episode, when they're trying to have a meeting here to discuss the dead and he Breaking like- the fuck out, yeah. He <laughs> interrupts and he's like, oh, my brother, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah, like, totally. So- by convincing him that that baby is his, it's another way that she can manipulate Control him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then like her when she's like, "Oh, I've never met someone that's such a big narcissist." 
but I'm in or overly confident or whatever she says. And but she's like, I'm into it. I'm like, what a fucking bad lie, seriously, Jesus. Yeah, she's not into it. Um, and then we have a scene where another one with Kyburn, but this one's with um Braun, and he is getting down, and all these whores are like going off about these dragons. Like everybody's talking about these motherfucking dragons, and these are really the only common people that we get to see in King's Landing, and they are affected. Like, you know when the whores can't stop talking about dragons and people being burned alive? Like, everybody's talking about it. And man, I can't believe Bran is like Oh yeah, uh, you know, I can still get hard and hear about people's eyeballs melting out, well, but you know, whatever. It went a little different when Viserys was getting his whore on and talking about dragons. <laughs> then you see Bronn oh trying my to God. have the same thing. Yeah, we didn't have the Marax, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Um, but then we have Kyburn come in and basically is like, "Hey, uh, FYI, Cersei says sorry for you know dicking you around a lot. There's a bunch of gold outside." And honey, you just got to kill both her brothers. Like, if this is not a moment of, hey, Bron, figure your shit out. You got to have some loyalty to something. Like, then the, nothing will be. If he goes through with this, I I will not forgive him. Well, he's not stupid. He hasn't lived this far by being dumb. But, um, you know, he has his limits. If you think back to the episode, the... Mountain and the Viper. Yeah. He had the conversation with Tyrion when Tyrion was locked in a cell and wanted Bronn to be his champion. Yeah. And he said, you know, I you know, I thought we were friends. And he go he Bronn says to Tyrion, We are. But you but wouldn't when, do that for me. When have yeah. you ever done this kind of thing? When have you ever stepped up and volunteered to save my life? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, speaking of Tyrion, this was actually should have been in the Stark part that we were talking about a little earlier, but ooh man, Tyrion's advice going downhill, no one's respecting him. He is not one with the people, like he's up in this north. Did you love the fact he's like, Yeah, and then the Lannister army will be coming, so everything will be fine. Everyone's just like, What the fuck? Well, it almost is like, does Danny have just this cloud of Okay, think of it as Danny Wi-Fi. Like, if you're in the realm of Danny, you can connect to her Wi-Fi, but it's like making everyone dumb. Like, John, <laughs> oh, I'm bend the knee. The Northern yeah. shall totally accept you. Tyrion's like, yeah, Cersei's on her way. She's great. Jorah's like saying all his Jorah stuff that he does. Oh, look. Oh, Kyle Drogo <laughs> likes to sit in the sun. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I... I I honestly just don't understand like he's really going downhill and I'm worried for him because I mean, remember the last thing we saw in season seven was him staring creepily like, oh, I'm done fucked up. Well, yeah, because he he hasn't been really a great strategist these last few episodes in last season as well. And he knows that John might be there to take his place. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so do you think he's got a little boner for Danny too? I don't think so. I think it's more in the line of like my position might be up for yeah. someone else to take. Another off-track moment. When they were um, out riding their dragons, um, have we talked about riding dragons yet? No, we have not. Okay, I'll save it till that part. But well, We talked a little bit about it. The music was bad. Um, I'll talk about it then. Not a big deal. So... We have manipulative Cersei. We got Bronn, you know, going to take a hit out. Um, 
Anything else that you want to talk about? Oh, you know, Cersei's drinking with this baby. This is going to be a fast baby. Well, I always kind of thought, because I know we had the, our season eight breakdown yeah. of the the um, preview, and she was drinking, and that was like kind of a point of content for a lot of people. But I mean, we're talking Game of Thrones world, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Um, I just don't know if that's a great thing to do when you're basically an alcoholic. Like, I mean, remember season six when Marjorie's like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any wine because we don't drink in the morning like an alcoholic. So she's like, go, 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 go. Like, she's like two steps away from being Tyrion level. Let's just be glad that Tyrion's not carrying this baby. God, seriously. Um, so then the last thing we have kind of for this little part is we have, um, you know, Theon sneaks on board Euron's ship when he's getting down and he kills all the people on the ship, busts out Yara. They go on their merry way um, and they're out sailing. And basically she says, I'm going to go to the Iron Islands because no one's guarding them. We're going to take them back. So that gets their ancestral home out of Euron's grip. It's an island. So we know that the, the dead can't swim, supposedly. So we have that as a backup. And then she basically sees, you know what? Theon is all about like redeeming himself. And he's only going to be able to do that if he can go and redeem himself in the eyes of the Starks. So he's going to go to Winterfell. How much do we ride for Theon now? I Man, I don't know. I mean, do we really care about Theon redeeming? Like, how? I mean, l- even last season, Yara's like, save me. He's like, looks at Bye. her. Bye. <laughs> Splash. <off> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, is he redeemable? I don't know. It's been two years. Maybe I can forget. I I just rewatched. I mean, he's getting better. It's you know he doesn't have a lot to work with, and I I feel for him. But at the end of the day, like he did some real dumb shit, and I don't know if you can, like, what is his place in all of this? You know, I think they they made a bigger deal out of this than um I I think I remember someone saying you know the books don't have a heavily involvement with Theon as much, and I think they're bringing him back. He has to serve a purpose, so. Oh, well, for sure. We'll see here in six more episodes. I mean, if his only purpose is to basically give John that same speech that John gave him at Dragonstone, you're an Ironborn and a Stark. You can yeah. be both. I mean, is that enough to make it worth it? I don't know. I don't. Th- I think it's more than that, but we'll see. Um, what about this? What about their reunion, though? Isn't that true? Ironborn stats that like he frees her. And you're thinking it's going to be like a hug or a handshake or something. And it's like a headbutt. Yeah. Oh, like, totally. totally. They do it fitting. to everybody. Yeah. I don't know. And is it safe to assume then that the Iron Islands, no one's there? Everyone's yeah. either with. Well, they cut down Tiara every fucking or... tree they had. So. That's another thing. Um, When I was rewatching, I was noticing how when Yara and Theon went to kind of talk to Daenerys and she's like, you won't. You won't uh, reap anymore. You're not none of this pirate business. Yeah. Well, they literally destroyed the island. Yeah. So there's what? nothing. Yeah. I mean, are they just gonna fish? I guess they could fish and then trade. But I guess. Sounds great to me. Sounds like uh, I guess they had got an island. Maybe they'll have more than anybody else, depending on how the Night King yeah, deals seriously. with everyone. They're gonna be lord of all the kingdoms. Um. So then we go back to Winterfell. We have um. Uh, we have. Everybody basically, it, we have Davos, Tyrion, Varys, and they're they're talking about like what is going to be the solution to this problem because everybody can see like you just have to look around. Nobody wants the Dragon Queen here, and it's like duh, get married. Like 
that's what would join all these houses that would make people trust you that would join everyone you know solidify allegiances obviously we know there's going to be a little bit of issue with this because people aren't down on the incest train typically but everybody wants that and the advisors are starting to go oh, maybe we should start pushing this because it's happening anyways um and then we find out the dragons aren't eating poor dragons Poor little dragons. Everyone should be glad that those things aren't eating. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, though, why do you think that they're not eating? Well, um, just like Danny said, they hate the North. <laughs> they're like, this is disgusting. I thought this was going to be an all-you-can-eat tapas bar. This food's not even warm. All there is is goats. Gross. Not into it. Um, you know, I when I first, when they were like, oh, they're not eating, I'm like, oh, it's because they're their brother's dead, like, and they're sad. But I don't know if that's true. Well, I was just thinking, like, well, this makes perfect sense. Oh, my babies aren't eating. Let's take them on a 400-mile ride. Yeah. No, totally. Um, you know, and then I have another thing that just popped in my head when I was taking down notes on all this. Um, so why the hell is no one realizing John's Targaryen? Danny doesn't go... That's weird. Literally no one's been able to even get close to my dragons besides Tyrion. And he definitely didn't try to ride them. And she's just like, yeah, get on him. That's cool. And he does it easy peasy, lemon squeezy. John's not like, that's weird. Danny's not like, huh, that's odd. I'll tell you why. It's the the dumb Wi-Fi bubble oh that God. she has. Anybody who gets within range of her is just instantly not smart. And... It should be pretty obvious and it should be pretty obvious to everyone else there that when he was riding the dragon and it was doing a loop-de-loop and it turned like, hey, look what I got on my back. It's John. Yeah. John Stark. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, seriously. Um, another thing I kind of pulled in my memory banks, I'm, I don't know if we had ever discussed this. Are we sure that none of these dragons are girls? I mean, I wouldn't know how to tell a girl. I don't from either, a boy. and I don't know if anybody else does either. Can you tell but... a girl snake from a boy snake? Yeah, I don't know. It's like the markings on their backside or something. It's weird. Oh, I forgot you're a biologist. They have internal like cloaca kind of things. Well, yeah. Did you check the dragon cloaca? I haven't, but uh, I'll need to swap that dragon <laughs> cloaca. Danny's like, John, you do that. <laughs> They're gonna let Tyrion do it. I just think that that would be very. Um, a little fitting like you know she has drogon he would have like a female dragon maybe maybe the reason they're not eating is because oh like they're preggers oh my god i don't know i just think that's weird like and sad like now that you've seen how big these dragons are does it make any sense that the dragon egg would be so <laughs> little i mean maybe i don't know I mean, like, it'd be like a bird having a. But they do hatch the out of like of nothing, right? They're like literally the size of lobsters. Like, they're like, we're dragons. It's not like they come out and they're like the size of half of Drogon. Like, yeah, but an, a baby elephant, just think of that. Uh, think of an ostrich, okay? Yeah. Think of an ostrich. Uh, those dragon eggs were like an ostrich egg size. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, I there's no explanation. I don't know. They probably should have been bigger, but. Who the hell knows? I just think it's interesting. Like, are really like I know we're not gonna have a fairy tale ending, but like, so we those were the, there were no dragons for years, right? And now we have dragons, but are we basically guaranteed to have no dragons after they die? Well, Targaryens, unless they have kids, Targaryens I mean. are known for incest as well as other 
noble houses. Yeah, I don't know. It it would just be kind of fitting if like John and Danny decide to go through with it and like have a kid and raise it because they're like, well, we gotta we gotta actually have a Targaryen household and this is the only way to do it. And oh, we need to have dragons, so let's breed our dragons together. Like, I don't know. Interesting little incest tidbit. Um, okay, so then we get to our really awkward reunions. So we have Arya and the Hound. Not a lot of love going around there, but also not a lot of hate. Like, I, they respect each other. I get it. I mean, I at first watch, I was like, oh, well, that was disappointing. I don't know what I wanted. But, I mean, he didn't get murdered, and he was on her list. So yeah. that's that's a plus. But then on second watch, you know, I was thinking when Brienne talked to the Hound and they were walking to go have that meeting in King's Landing, he was surprised that she was still alive when Brienne told him that. And then he was like, well, who's protecting her? And she says, the only one that needs protecting is the one who gets in her way. So it was kind of like he was like, okay, well, she's learned from me. She knows what how to protect herself. And he's like the proud dad that sends his daughter off to college. Mm-hmm. Totally. So it was kind of like a, a nod, like. Yeah. You, Respect. You, yeah. Yeah, totally. Then we have our Arya and Gendry. And um, I mean, what did you think about this? I was harding that I was shipping them a little bit, but you pointed out, I think from one episode we were talking about, like maybe I shouldn't so much, but I also thought it was still kind of cute. They had a little bit of chemistry. Also, though, like Ari's a nightmare, probably should never date her, but I love it. Um, and then she basically says, Hey, I have this blueprint. It's really sophisticated. <laughs> I drew it myself. <laughs> uh, here's an arrowhead basically in a big long stick. Which you pointed out. Yeah. Um, all that time that she was with the waif, she was kind of like Donatello Ninja Turtle status with that stick. And if it had dragon glass on the end or Valerian steel on the end, she's going to be protected from yeah, anything totally. undead that comes her way. Didn't it kind of, um, to you though, the design of it, and obviously we haven't seen it yet, but doesn't it look like awfully similar to the what the one of the Knights King's... Um, uh, White Walkers uses? You know, I hadn't considered that, but maybe. I know it looked like it was detachable, so maybe she yeah. can use it as like more of like a, she can use it as that Donatello, t- I don't even know what that's called, like a stick, a staff. Yeah. I she know. can use it like a staff and like a knife. Yeah. But the bigger question that I want to pose is, how does Gendry know how to read? Because she did write some notes on there. Oh, God. That's yeah. a big assumption on your part, Arya. Seriously. That's what you get for being a lady. Lady in a trap. Rich bitch. It seems everybody can just read in this bitch. Not everybody knows a rich bitch like me. Um, So another thing I kind of want to point out is, so we have kind of like these weird reversals in my mind. And tell me if you're getting this, because this could be just out of left field. So when we first meet Sansa and John, Sansa is like, I just want to fall in love with the prince and be a lady and be royalty and blah, blah, blah. And... John is like, you know, I want to fight for what's right. I want to bring justice in the world. Like, I want to go and protect the realm of men and do what's honorable. Like, I'm going to go and do that. And now we have through all of these events that have changed, basically the flip of that. Sansa is like, I'm going to do what's right for the people. I'm going to protect everyone I care about and be here for my family. And I'm going to do whatever I can to do that. I'm going to be a leader first. And now John's like, I'm all about love. Mm hmm. And 
remember how many times we said, Sansa, you're being a dumb bitch. Mm-hmm. Now John's being a dumb bitch. Well, Sansa even questions John. She's like, you know, why did you bend the knee? And and he's questioning her, you know, back. Well, don't you have any faith in me at all? And Sansa's grown smart from all of these interactions she's had with very manipulative people that, you know, there's always more to the story than, mm-hmm. than meets the eye. And I think she's cautious, rightfully so. And I am actually very thankful that Sansa's there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the other thing too is, it's, you know, John's like, oh, well, don't you trust me? It doesn't matter about trust because she trusted her dad as far as you could. And sometimes you trust people and unfortunately they can't protect you. No one can protect you. I think that's one of the lines she has in an earlier season. So I think it's just she doesn't trust anybody. She doesn't trust anybody but herself. And she knows that she can't rely on anybody else. And she trusts her family. Yep. But she but, also. But she wants to make sure her family is not being taken advantage of. Yep. Totally. Because you never know who's wrapping their fingers around. Um, then we have Sam meeting Nanny. And this is the most awkward. If your meet. advisors don't warn you before you go get into a situation. Oh, by the way, you um burnt his family alive. So just know that going into this awkward. conversation. Yeah, Jorah, seriously. You're getting replaced. Well, I don't think Jordan knew about this to be. And to be fair to Jordan. You need new advisors, Nanny. I mean, yes, he did have gray skills, so I mean, we can forgive him a little bit. But I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, wah, 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 like, or maybe like actually have a talk about it instead of just being like, yeah, yeah, you might want to run along. Okay, see you later. Like, maybe like, you know what? I'm so sorry. Like, there's nothing I can do or say, and I know that's your family, but unfortunately, like, this is fucking dark times. Can we talk about a double standard here? And maybe this is jumping the shark a little bit, but in the scenes from next episode, which we already know from this episode, Jamie's here, Yeah. right? So there's going to be a conversation between Jamie and Queen Daenerys. Jamie's a Kingslayer. She, in the scenes from next episode, is like, oh, you know, you killed my father and the things that I've thought about to do to you. And like, hmm, weird. You just had that same conversation with Sam. Like, yeah. Totally. 10 minutes from the end of the season or the end of the first episode of the season. Hmm. Weird. Your dad was literally trying to kill everyone with fire in the whole King's Landing. Mm-hmm. So that's bizarre. Yeah. I definitely d- double standard. And I think she is getting a little Mad Queenie. Yeah. Like, I don't think I don't I don't think at this point you can call Cersei the Mad Queen and not say the same of the beginnings of Danny being the Mad Queen. Yes. It's just like their motivation. Like, you know, I feel like she is doing whatever she is thinking she needs to do and justifying to herself because she's wanting to do it because she's the best thing for the realm. She honestly believes that. Cersei knows she's not the best thing for the realm. She just wants to do whatever she can to protect her family, which at this point is essentially her and her unborn baby. Well, it's just comes boils down to the things that people are doing or think that they're doing in the name of honor. Mm-hmm. And are they really honorable things? It It's all a matter of how you look at it. Yeah, totally. Um, so then we have Sam freaks the fuck out a little bit. He has a little moment, almost commits suicide in front of a cart. Runs out. Yeah. And who do you want when you're already feeling down to talk to? Bran. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, um, you know, what? what's he doing? Oh, just waiting for his old friend. And if you didn't catch that, means he's talking about Jamie. 
his old friend Jamie, you know, the one who pushed him out of the the window. Um, But he says, you know what? No, you need to be the one that talks to John. Yeah, because, you know, he's like, out of that entire story of, oh, hey, yeah, Liana and Rhaegar had a secret wedding. It was annulled, blah, blah, blah. Like 90% of that is literally your visions. And the other part is like, oh, yeah, there was someone unnamed in a journal that I found, blah, blah, blah. That matches that exact description. Like, that should definitely go on that person. No, it should definitely be you. But then again, and, you know, I know this is not funny, but he probably couldn't get his wheelchair down there. We have no hoarder. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? There's probably no ADA accessible ramps in the Crypts of Winterfell. I can't believe you made me laugh at that. You're horrible. You're horrible. Um, So he goes down and talks to John, right? And... um. You know, speaking of the crypts, do you think we're going to have some uh, dead Starks raised from the dead if uh, Night's King gets into Winterfell? Um, you know, I think you are on to something there. And while we're on that topic, I will share a little tidbit that I saw during the rewatch that I thought was notable. There was a scene with Marjorie and Joffrey in the Sept where Joffrey was notably telling Marjorie about all of these dragons that were buried under the Sept. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's how we'll get more dragons if we need them. Oh, maybe. I like it. Um, You know, we also have that theory that there's dragon eggs under Winterfell. But who knows? I think we talked about that in the last episode, didn't we? The spoiler, or not the spoiler, but the predictions. Sounds familiar. familiar? You blacked it out. And that was a horrible alcoholic. Um, Just mm-hmm. FYI. When we do this, she's trash drunk. So mm-hmm. she doesn't remember anything, <laughs> but that's everyday life. But every time she watches an episode of Game of Thrones, it's like watching it for the first time. So <laughs> it's with every bit of it. Well, I think I think you're right about that. But um, one thing, since we're going down to the crypts, I figured I would mention is notably in all the scenes with John, we're getting um, a background of either Ned Stark or Lyanna Stark, and. We've also seen that um, Arya and John have the same hairstyle. John also starts looking more and more like Ned as the series progresses. Um, so we're hearing verbally, though, from people like Bran, like, he's not my family. And then that's kind of why he's saying that it needs to come from Sam. Sam yeah. is actually his brother from the Black. You know, they took the Black together. So we're getting to see mixed messages you're a stark you're a targaryen you're a stark you're a targaryen and i think that just emphasizes the conflict that i'm sure is going to be going through um john's head as he processes this yeah because he defines himself just like ned did with what is the most honorable thing what does a hero do and that gets really mixed up when um well depends like is a hero someone who marries the woman that he loves or does he not do that when he finds out that's his you know, aunt? Or here I am trying to be honorable and my dad is the, air quotes, dad is the most, most honorable, honorable man yeah. that I find the out he's- The most honorable person in the world. But he lied to me my entire life, yeah. but he lied to me keeping an oath that he told my mother. Yeah. So- it's, this is like where the you know whenever there's robots in shows they're like mom my brain can't compute meh, malfunction. Like, <laughs> this is why Bran's eyes are like rolling back in his head every time he logs into a werewood. Oh my god, seriously. Um, okay, so we have uh, Tormund and uh, 
Beric Dondarrion, and they arrive at Last Hearth. Now, this was a little confusing for me at first, but they are at Last Hearth, and Last Hearth is the ancestral home of the Umbers. So we had Ned Umber in the very beginning. Remember, he didn't get his family out. They were going to send some wagons. Well, shit didn't happen fast enough. Little Ned Umber. And we have Tormund and Beric Dondarrion there walking around. It's completely abandoned. I don't see. We don't see a single body, um, but people obviously just left, and there was like a big, you know, battle that happened. And then they run into um, people of the Night's Watch. We had um, Ed, and uh, there's a couple other people there, and they're like, oh, "Okay, well, we'll go around." His eyes are blue. They've always been blue. <laughs> yeah, God, so funny. And then um, they get in the main chamber, and we see little Ned Umber pinned up on the wall, and we have this symbol—the symbol that haunts me every moment of my life. I need to know if I die before the end of the season. And I don't know what the symbol means. I will haunt you. Everybody. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Because I just don't get it. Like We'll put it on your gravestone. I don't understand how it all fits together. I did my rewatch like a good little Jon Snow. So I know that there is a lot of um, speculation on what the symbol means. A lot of people are saying that it could be how the White Walkers make winter appear in locations. A lot of people are saying that it was the Children of the Forest that originally did it and that the White Walkers are hijacking it, kind of be like, uh, fuck you. But now, what's your theory on this? Because this is interesting, and I don't believe it at all, but very interesting. Well, I don't really have a theory because Corey's been ahead of this theory for the whole time, and I had no idea. But I did see the symbolism um, in this particular episode, little Ned Umber has turned, right? He's a uh, white now. And he represents what? Ice right now. So then they light him on fire. We have that fire and ice symbolism. And once that symbol was lit on fire, I was like, wow, that really looks like the Targaryen symbol. He didn't believe me, but as we're podcasting, I point over at his computer, which has a huge Targaryen symbol on it. And he's trying to find ways to prove me wrong, which he can't. Yeah, I I don't believe in this, but I like I like that you've noticed this because I definitely didn't notice it. I just don't believe it. So, wah, wah. and then we have the end of the episode where Jamie marches in and makes eye contact with the lovely, Anel, lovely Bran. Oh, Bran. Sorry. You know, you know those beautiful black dead eyes, <laughs> like shark eyes. <laughs> Um, Let me just tell you how excited I was. I was trying to take notes during first watch and all the notes kind of made sense a little bit. But the one that stood out was the last one where it said (laughs) Jamie with about a trillion explanation points. And then it said, oh, shit, (laughs) when he turns around and then it has. Oh, fuck. And then it has the name Bran and just the little eye emoji. So this episode really great stuff happening i'm liking where we're pointing to um i'm liking that we're getting to like the horror part because i think that's one of the things about game of thrones that i really like is like the horror involved with the white walkers and like the epic battle scenes and just how gruesome things can be i love when they do that and we're coming up on that that has to be soon do you think this next one we're going to have a full-out battle um i think we're going to start it's going to lead from the reunions to how the reunion it's going to be the glue between the reunion and the battle that's mm-hmm. what i think okay so was there anything that we didn't talk about i know there's a couple things that i don't think i remember when we were in those sections but i'd like to talk about a little bit but i know you have a couple things so what you gotta know <clears throat> um there's just two that really st- uh stick out right now um i just wanted to go back and just 
do a hat tilt to the scene between Sansa and Tyrion. They haven't seen each other since the Purple Wedding, since Joffrey died. So that was kind of a good way to kind of, I don't know, get some clarity on what actually happened. And Sansa, sorry I had to leave like that. And Tyrion got to say, yeah, it was kind of rough when you had to explain why your wife left after that. Yeah. And then like the other thing too is like, <laughs> does Tyrion even know that it was uh, Olenna? I guess no one knows that besides Cersei and uh, Jaime at this point. Which is interesting you say that because that kind of ties into my next point. Oh. So Cersei gives Kyburn this bow to give to Bronn. And Bronn is supposed to kill Jaime and Tyrion with it and is promised a bunch of gold in exchange. But what's interesting to consider is that Tyrion killed their father with a bow just like that. It may even be the same bow. I don't know. I have to it go is, back and... Yeah. And that's why it's ironic. But there's a lot of those ironies in Game of Thrones. Because wh what was the example you just brought up that I was going to tie it to? Guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> but Oh, um, talking about Olena and poisoning. Right. So here's prime example. Olena poisons Joffrey. Olena dies by poison. Mm -hmm. Um... Liza kills people at the moon door. Liza dies by the moon door. Ygritte dies by arrow. She's the person that's killing everyone with arrows. Yeah. And it, the list goes on and on. Think of Ned. We've only seen Ned kill one person. What does he do? Behead Cut him. Off the hat. Oh, yeah, I like there it. There is a ton of that, and I won't get into all of it, but I have a list that I kind of researched. A ton of that in Game of Thrones. So, so you think Danny's going to be burned alive by a dragon? You never know. She, she, I mean, Danny, talk about Mad Queen. She's done a lot of weird stuff, like the um, Masters or whatever they masters? were called. <clears throat> they oh had, yeah yeah the Masters of uh, uh yeah 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 they Astrogard killed and they Ossipar killed all those kids and put them on stakes. What did she do? Yeah, killed them all by putting them on stakes. There's a lot of these weird little callbacks reciprocal deaths in game of thrones just very interesting totally a little bit of irony poetic justice mm -hmm. okay one last thing that i remembered and this i talked about it earlier about the dragon riding now john takes um danny he doesn't really take her but they end up going to this place where he used to hunt evidently and it kind of you know we have this waterfall in the northern climate and Part of it, just talking about Egret, like, did you not feel a little bit like, oh, man, like, are you really, like, experiencing this, like, honeymoon, like, first love when you've gone through all that? Like, yeah, I was like a little hmm. awkward. I, I felt a little bit too like, oh, look, we're in we're in our cave in the hot springs again. Totally. I got that feeling, too, like the hmm, been there, done that, John. That's yeah. really weird. Taking your new girl to the same place that you took your old oh, one. and someone you don't really know. And you're like, oh, yeah, this should be all great and fun. And then, oh, also, my honor tells me I can't do that. So now I have to betray her. And now that's really fucking awkward. Oh, and now we're going to kill each other. And. Speaking of that, it almost makes me wonder if the music choice wasn't just to kind of implicate that, oh, we're falling in love. Because I kind of wanted that first, you know, when John first sees the dragon, that music that I won't hum. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that super intense, like, oh, music. Yeah. 
And instead it was like, I don't even remember, but. We're going on an adventure with our dragons. Yeah, yeah. it's that exact song. <laughs> totally. But it felt like it, didn't it? Like It I just, just felt a little off. It didn't call the emotion that I wanted it to. Well, and ca- especially considering, you know, and this is something that we didn't bring up, and I can't believe we didn't, but this new opening scene was amazing. I love it. Like That's the, what you get after two years. Everything cued to the music so perfectly. I love that we're touring places. I'm loving that we're on Westeros and we don't have to go to Essos anymore. Like, you very much get the scale of where you are. It's perfect. I love it. I can't believe it took them this long to redo it this much. Because it's just fantastic. Yeah, when you see the wall is actually... In, Broken. Yeah, and... you don't see the elevator anymore. You just see this big hole in it. Mm-hmm. So cool. I love it. And you can even see like where the White Walkers are going, and it turns to ice as they walk there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. Um, You know, I'm overall, I'm very impressed. I'm just nervous. You know, we had talked about this. Um, both Anel and I did a rewatch. I rewatched literally every episode. I did it like the week of. I was like, I want to watch it all. I want it all to be recent. I've done nothing but stay in my house and watch Game of Thrones. I feel like I'm Bran right now. I have too much information in my brain. It is melting out of my ears. And I watch this and I'm I'm happy for it. But I had a moment a couple days ago where I was like, oh my God, it's ending. It's ending. We only have a couple episodes left. And you know, this is not getting rid of the feeling for me for that. Well, I'm still nervous. <clears throat> I'm here to get you through it. Because I'm like Samuel. I just get the cliff notes and I bring them with me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I do I do really like this episode. I think it's a great start. I do think it's a starting episode, though. You know, it's like, really, what can you do? We had a lot of people. We got to get in the same place. We got a lot of exposition we have to go through. We had to let John know that he's really a Targaryen. We got to get that dragon right out of the way. And we got to get a little scene with the White Walkers. Like, we did all that. It was only 58 minutes long. Like, what what else did we really expect, you know? Was there anything that we could have done that would have made it better in your eyes and all? Um, you know, we got Jamie there. That's more than what I could ask for. But yeah. it would have been cool to see Melisandra. Where is she at? Yeah. So peace in. Mm-hmm. Then I think we would have gone to West House for a little bit because I I feel like we gotta see something with her over there before we come back over to West House, you know? Totally. Um, you know, for me. What would I want to see a little bit more of? I think they did it because they didn't want to take away from John and Danny's budding romance. But I would really like to see a couple characters like start a romantic interest. Like the, everyone's going to die. This is when it should happen. You know, I'm sick of the Masande Grey Worm romance. That's dumb to me. But like, give me a brand of Tarth and Torment. Like, mm-hmm. give me. Mm, or Jamie and Brienne. Mm-hmm. I know you ship them. I know you ship them. Um, but give me somebody. And maybe that's in this next episode, but I need it. I need a little bit more character building for these other people. Because we have so many of them. I think we've done the character building that we're going to get for the most part. Romantically, though. It's too late. It's too late for anyone. It's too late to apologize. Too late. Um, That's what Brand's saying to Jamie next episode <laughs> <laughs> it's too late um well speaking that's, of that though do you think that that that's going to be a big deal to brown or do you think he's over it i think he's over it remember there's a episode where he's basically like you know i um i had a uh, 
a moment where I remembered what it was like to be Bran, but I have all these other memories. Like, I feel like that's just a little bit, you know? If he remembered every single little thing, he'd be offended for every single little person, so. Yeah, but then why do you think he was waiting for Jamie to tell him that you're the prince that was promised Jamie Lannister and you're going to make no, it No, I think end? he realizes he has a greater role to play, though, for sure. So speaking of greater roles... You know, as our listeners, we appreciate you guys so much. As an up-and-coming podcast, um, we started actually the last season of Game of Thrones, and the feedback we have gotten from you guys and the response has been so great. Um, and we are still growing, so we really do appreciate every time you do leave us a comment or if you guys go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps out a lot. Subscribe to the podcast so you get them as soon as we launch them. Um, this year, we are trying our best to do it as soon as possible. This first one's special. We got it out to you guys literally within hours. Um, so we hope you appreciate that on your Monday morning commute. Um you know, on the next following weeks, we're going to try to do them as soon as possible, probably within around a day or two days turnaround time, just so we have a little bit more time to process them and think about them. But we have something we want you guys to do. Now, Anel, she was going to do this fancy death pool thing with everyone at work, and we just didn't get around to it, basically because we decided it was gambling. But we are going to let you guys in on it. And it's not going to be as complicated. All we really want you to do is go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. And send us an email with who you think is going to die in the next episode. And on the next episode, we are going to announce the winner and let you know by email, letting you know what you're winning. Um, in the past, we've done Funko Pops. We've done um, banners. We've done a couple other things. So it's really your chance to get your swag on and get a little bit of something, something and help us out by giving us a good review. But with that, we've made it for the first episode. We only got five short episodes left. Ooh, take a breath. This is going to be a wild ride and we're going to be here with you for all of it. As always, stay, stay perfectly, perfectly honest. honest.